Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we take you through professional elite athletes and coaches' stories about how they cope with the psychological demands of competing at elite level. Hi guys, I just wanted to let you know that after having now finished our studies and having worked privately with the various clients these past few months, we have now officially launched our sports psychology consultancy called Mastering the Mind. This means we are now accepting clients. So whether you're an athlete who wants to work on a specific performance concern or who is just committed and motivated to take the performance to the next level, then feel free to reach out to us. You may also be a coach who wants to improve some aspects on how you manage the coach-athlete relationship or who is motivated to learn more on how you can maximize the way you coach through mental strategies. Just know we would love to help out any way we can. For more information, please visit www.mtmconsultancy.org or just send us a message on our various social media accounts at mtm underscore OFF. Right. Back to the episode. Today we welcome Thomas Grunemark to the podcast. Thomas is a professional throwing coach who has worked with a variety of clubs such as Liverpool, Guy Against, Ajax, Atlanta United and many others. Prior to his throwing coach career, Thomas was a member of the Danish bobsled team for four years competing around the world. After two years of training, Thomas broke the Guinness World Record for the longest throwing in 2010 Thomas also does a variety of public speaking for companies such as Lego and Facebook and has published two books called Lazy Energy and The Seven Lazy Principles. So let's welcome Thomas to the podcast. Hello. Hello, Thomas. How are you? I'm fine. How about you? Yeah, good, good. Where are you, about, where, where are you now? Are you back in Denmark or no? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm back in Denmark. So uh, yeah, I've been traveling like the whole world the last year or so or actually last four years so yeah, <laughs> back, back in denmark now yeah i'm in i'm in your lovely country right as we speak now but it seems brighter where you're at so uh, <laughs> that's what i was asking yeah i was uh, i'm in the western part of denmark so yeah. that's perhaps because your props uh, perhaps in copenhagen or so or that's it yeah it's yeah. just like two hours from me uh okay. yeah. so so that's the reason yeah. How long are you stopping in Denmark for now until you're back on your journey? Yeah, you know, I've been, I'm going to Finland here in a couple of weeks and then I have like, again, a, a couple of weeks off and then, then, you know, it all starts. Normally I'm, I'm mostly busy from July to March, but also here in, in uh, April and May, I've been really busy too. So um yeah, but but yeah, I won't complain about that. You know, <laughs> when yeah. you're a freelancer like me, you know, you as much work as possible. So uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Definitely. Okay, so a great place we like to start with our guests and for sort of the listeners to get to know you a bit is talk us through your sort of journey to date. So if you were to give an overview of your life, you know, who is Thomas? Yeah, of course, uh, <laughs> it's a long story, but. But uh, yeah, I've been, been uh, born and raised in, in Denmark here and uh, I played football as a young kid and, and I loved playing, playing football. It was fantastic, like everybody else who loves football. And I have two, had two big cousins, Bent and Johnny, and they were like eight and 12 years older than me and they could do some really awesome throw-ins. So, um, you know, I really looked up to them and as a teenager, I tried to developed my own long throwing skills so uh, i've yeah. that, that that became one of my my great skills so i had like two superpowers in football one thing was the long throwing and then i, I was like 
lightning fast. I never lost a running duel in football, no matter if it was 10 meters and or 50 meters. So, um, and and and, and to be honest, it, it, it I was uh, yeah pretty good football player as a youth football player. Reached the highest U19 league in Denmark. Also playing against, for example, Thomas Graversen, who later played for Real Madrid and Celtic and so and Danish national team, of course. But I wasn't good enough to be a professional football player. So in the mid mid 90s even though we didn't really have an, an athletics club in my hometown i i thought hey might as well go up to that dirt track there with where the old lady and two athletes was and to try my my sprinting skills out and yeah it, it went pretty well and and yeah already when i had my my, my first year of, of, of training i came on the danish national team in athletics so running 100 200 400 meters and, and relays so um so i had like six fantastic years in athletics and all six years i was on the um, the national team in denmark i was several time danish champion and and yeah i'll say the best wrestle for me and my teammates was in year 2000 where we won the european championship in the four by four meter relay for club teams in paris and i ran the last leg there and i was I was like number four on the on the last leg, and then we ran up to number two and one and two, and then, yeah, <laughs> on the on the last hundred meters, I just like passed everybody. So so that was a big day, okay. but um, yeah. So um, and then um, then in two thousand two, I'd never been better. Uh, I just personal records on one hundred two hundred meters. And uh, was also still at the national uh, team, uh, was with the national team in Seville in, in Spain in, in 2002 there in June. Um, but I lost my motivation in, in athletics because I had moved to the western part of uh, Denmark to a town called Skive. And um, because I met my wife, and some of you probably know that sometimes you're doing like crazy things because of love. And I moved like to the whole other part of Denmark so so even though I had had personal records and still a national team it's a little bit like it was just numbers on a paper so so I missed the team sports uh, you know I had it from my relay team but also especially from football earlier and and so I decided in 2002 to change sport and I became a part of the Danish national bobsleigh team and we um, yeah we travel all around the world for uh, four years the whole Europe but also Canada and the States so um, so so I, of course I could I could continue talking now but you can say that was like my to to tell it really shortly my my background before uh, I became a throwing coach mm-hmm. sounds like you've had a I mean a hell of a life so far I mean so many things to unpack there that, that we'll unpack um, I'm interested to know like so early on in your life, you were interested in throw-ins, uh, which is an interesting set piece to, uh, you know, take an interest in so early on. Um, you know, how come you were so interested in the throw-in? I think it was a lot about, again, my big cousins there. Yeah. I think everybody can recognize, no matter if it's uh, uncles or cousins or aunts or, uh, you know, uh, some adult person. You know, if when you when you look up to other people and, and find the same interest, you know, it, it's just even cooler. So it's just not only my personal interest. I also thought, hey, I want to be like my big cousin. So I think that was like that inner drive that that 
that came there. And then there's also the special thing around, and of course we come into the throwing coaching there because it's not only the long ones I coach, but but there's also this fascination of the long throw-ins because it's a very few people who can do a really long throw-in. I could do that. Um, so I remember uh, when I was playing football before I came into athletics, I, I just played like a, a youth game there where where like like missed I, it slipped a little bit in my hands and then I hit the crossbar with my throw in, you know, and, 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 and people in the stadium, they were just like saying, Whoa, you know, yeah. so, so it's a thing that, that perhaps only like one out of hundred football players can do. So again, it, if you can develop that, it feels a little bit like, you know, a superpower, you can do something that, that uh, not many other people can do. So it also gives uh, a lot of satisfaction. And, and then the good thing about, uh, a long throwing and, and long throwing coaching is that it's really easy to measure. So, for example, you know, most of the players I'm coaching in the long throwing are improving between five and fifteen meters. And often in the um, often in the in the team training, I have to stop them in the last test. You know, after the training because they just want to continue, continue, continue to throw because you know, oh, then then I improve the meter more. But you have to be care careful because it's really hard for the body. So you you can't take like twenty long throw-ins after <laughs> in the end of a long throwing techniques session. So again, back to your question. Uh, uh, there's also this fascination that that you can do something that other people can't do, and you can see your progression just by measuring. It's a little bit harder to measure. Are you are you being a better dribbler in football? Are you being better at tacklings? It's just like, you know. So so um, I think that's the thing that started my um, my fascination there. I have a question, uh, a tricky question. So can you score with the throw-in or no? Is no, it has. No, no, it has to hit at least yeah. one person on the way in. It doesn't matter who it is, if it's your teammate, the goalie, or a defender. But it has to, uh, but it has to hit one. So, but but I actually once one uh, one time I, we scored on the throw-in because um, yeah, because I hit a guy, an opponent that at the last post, you know, okay. right at the last post, and it wasn't deflected enough to be a known goal. So it like, yeah, I I got it there. So um, so yes, you can score. But not it has to hit at least one player before. So um, yeah, it is interesting when you know uh, an opposition player has you know the long throw-in. You know, I, I remember like watching Rory Delap. You know, he's a he's a legend in the throwing game uh, <laughs> back in his Stoke days. Yeah. yeah, that was just crazy. And you can, if you haven't already seen it yet, I, there's a clip on on YouTube uh, on the internet in general where. I think it's like a, a cup cup game against a smaller team than Stoke, and then there's a long ball, and and then the goalie he comes out of the penalty area, and and normally you just just shoot it out for a throw in and just yeah. hurl it over the stands, but you know then he then you could see it uh, him that he suddenly realized it was Rory Dillard, <laughs> so he turned around and then he shot it out for a corner instead yeah, yeah, yeah. on purpose. That was just a fantastic clip there. So so yeah, yeah he was a nightmare for. For all the teams he he or they play against, you know, with 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 the narrow pitches at least on their home ground, and they had like eight guys out of eleven who were one meter and ninety or above. So it was like a team of giants with that guy who would just curl the ball in. So yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Rory Delap with Peter Crouch. I mean, that's just a that's just a combination for success. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Just to kind of take it back a bit. So I've been in Denmark for around two two weeks now. And something that's really 
struck me is the amount of like recreational areas to do sports in like on every corner block there's like a football pitch or a basketball court so growing up were you kind of exposed to all these different sports and how important for you was that in your kind of like development as a you know youth footballer and was that beneficial to you having these infrastructures yeah you can say it's um I played a lot of football myself, you know, growing up, but I also did like played a lot of, for example, street basketball myself. Um, and I think it's 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 really important that that if you can do several sports, of course, you can't do it until you're 20, then you'll never be an expert in one. But at least mm -hmm. in in your first years, you know, uh, that you can develop different uh, kinds of uh, movements and skills because yeah, you, you need different skill sets, for example, as a throwing coach, I've been using a lot of uh, space creation from basketball, and so, oh, wow. um, so, so, so I think it's 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 always good to to be really good to coordinate your your movements, and and by doing different sports, you know, uh, yeah, basketball, athletics, um, football in Denmark, we have handball that's really popular, the second biggest sport in Denmark. So, so I think all in all, it's 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 always good to. Because you know the best players in the world, they're also good at coordinating the body. And so learning new things. And I, I, one thing is, is also learning new things. I think that's one of the most important things because I can see that when I'm coaching the players. Some players have, 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 have no problems learning new things and, and other players have big difficulties. So, um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's always great. And, and I'll say one thing is that that um, we have great uh, surroundings uh, regarding sports uh, in Denmark. But a, a country that's even better, it's actually uh, three weeks ago, I was in Iceland and coach a, a club called Stjern. And that was my first time in Iceland. And I'll actually say that the sporting facilities are even better in, in Iceland. Wow. And, and, and I don't know like, like exactly, but it's something like uh, until a, a certain age, you have to you have to play several sports as a kid. You know, you can't just only play football or handball or do athletics, you know. I think mm. it's good. You know, I took a lot of long walks in Iceland, also in Reykjavik. And, you know, every every sporting facility, there was nothing worn down. And so, you know, it everything was just like, wow, almost yeah. like like newly built. So 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 I, I think even better in, in, in Iceland, because I always mm. thought before I came to Iceland first time three weeks ago, it was like more the, you know, the Icelandic spirit fighting, you know, like Vikings. But of course, that's also a little thing. But 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 I think the main main thing here is 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 having great sporting facilities for um for the kids, for the youngsters, but also putting a lot of money into it. And then I also know again, I can't really I don't know how to do it exactly, but it's also something with alcohol and so in, in, in Iceland too, you know, like like yeah, they're they're drinking much later than especially compared to to danish youngsters and so so mm -hmm. so uh, yeah so so yes but, but i love it in denmark you know we, we have a fantastic country and 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 it's not only sporting facilities but it's also things like safety and you know i've been i've been um I just just uh, what's that a month ago I was in Philadelphia and some someone said to me you know oh be careful where you walk you know that in Denmark you don't have to be careful where you walk I've been in this season I've been twice to uh, 
to Mexico too. First Pachuca uh, club team in, in Mexico, League MX team, and then also mm-hmm. the, the national team, uh, national federation in, in Mexico City. And you know, it's like fantastic country, fantastic people. I love to go there many times more in my life. But you know, there are also this challenge with, with uh, criminality and and have like eight, 10 meter high walls with barbed wire on the top, uh, you mm. know, uh, to, to, to secure your homes and so, so. So I think we are just blessed in this part of the world to, to, yeah. to be in. So, so, you know, that, that on one hand, that makes it easier uh, for us to perform. But on the other hand, you can also see that we have a lot of athletes from around the world who were raised in, in like poor surroundings, you know, yeah. they have a lot, they're fighting in another way. So, you know, mm. you have to, I think you have to make the best of the, your, your surroundings. Yeah. And, and so, mm. uh, and your culture. And so, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just taking it back to when you mentioned basketball, because I, I did want to bring this up. I was surprised when I was reading through like your story that you hadn't played basketball like, at a certain level because, you know, I saw a, a video on social media about a Liverpool throw-in and they, they broke down a throw-in and it was like introducing things like screens and things like that. You talk about space creation. Like if you could like sort of break down what tenants you're taking from basketball into throw-ins, I think it'd be really interesting to hear that. Or you can just say that I've developed my own system. I call it the long, fast and clever throw-ins. And, and in Liverpool, we don't like really use the, the long throw-in, at least not as a set-piece weapon. Uh, but I've only coached the long throw-in in Liverpool so they can have a bigger throw-in area so they can like throw to more players. And for example, Andy Robertson, when I, came, uh, when I came to Liverpool, he can only throw 19 metres, but he improved to 27 metres and gained more than 500 square metres on his throw-in area. If you look at that half circle, you know, mm-hmm. you have when you throw into the pitch. So, but uh, we focus more on the what I call the fast and, and, and clever throw-in. And if we go directly to the clever throw-in, that's all about space creation. So I'm working with um with with 50 basic tools around the pitch in three zones and it's not like a playbook in american football where you say mm-hmm. we set up this no i'm learning the place these basic for example uh, in the middle zone we have perhaps like 20 different tools or so and and so that just like basic tools or solutions and but these different tools they are you can do that with with a different number of players different angles different timing different lengths on the throw and and so on and so on so it means that in, in theory we have uh, thousands of options every time you take a throw in so i'm i'm, I'm learning the players uh, you know a better throwing intelligence but it's not just to show them these options because i i build it up in steps so first of all you have all the basic things like uh, precision, creating space in the area, creating big boxes, um, basic team space creation, because most teams, they're only doing individual space creation. So, so only creating space for themselves and not as a, as a team. And the challenge with individual space creation is that, of course, once in a while you can get it, but you'll often only at, at the maximum create one or two meters of space, and then you'll often be in a tight space. But if you can create space together with a team, two, three, four, five players, you know, uh, then we have much, much bigger and better spaces. So that's what I'm learning to play. So, so that's one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm taking from basketball. Yeah. And you know, the challenge with the football players compared to basketball players is that when you're starting playing basketball, you know, you're learning about space creation 
already from the start and and, and because if you don't have enough space you can't like 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 get a shot or you can't like uh, yeah. penetrate towards the basket or so things like that you know it's much much harder so you're learning an early age to help each other to get create that space you know um so and and football players don't learn that yes sometimes they learn a little bit with corner kicks or free kicks but then it's one set set thing they're doing and nothing else and if that doesn't work it doesn't work but you know i in 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 my philosophy you don't have to throw the first time you can you 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 can have yeah two three four five six eight ten movements before the throw of course you can't run around for a minute but you can easily run for for 10 12 15 seconds no no problems there so 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 i'm learning the players to 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 read the spaces and yes i'm 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 taking things from basketball but it it's it's almost also from from many other things not only sports for example when I'm going to a, to a museum, I might see a, a piece of art and then I see some lines and so on. Then I think, hey, that's like a, a, a great running pattern or so. Uh, <clears throat> I'm also taking inspiration from um, uh, with space creation from, from the history. For example, the, the Roman army, like a thousand years ago, they were really successful, the Roman Empire. And it was not only because of, 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 of traditional things we think about like like money, but it's also like like conquering other countries with, with an efficient army. And for example, one of the things I read is that normally when you have uh, have and, and, and again I'll say that war, you know it, it's, it's, it's terrible, you know. But, but, but again, you can still find inspiration. And, and one of the things back in the time there was like in the front of the, all, all the armies there, you had these boars and they have to release their arrows first. And when they had released their arrows, arrows um, in, in normal armies, they'll just like, it'll just be total chaos and, and everyone will fall over each other when they have to go back after the shot, all the arrows. But in the Roman army, they had like some kind of, you know, space creation and system so they could they could walk in through like channels. And so, you know, um, yeah, and and and, and uh, on one hand, you can say that, whoa, that's like, uh, oh, that's special. Why did they have that? No, they were just more efficient. So so um, so in efficiency, that's 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 <laughs> a pretty, pretty good things to be no matter if you want to uh, want to win a war or or you want to um win a football match and i i don't i know you can't like just totally compare it but 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 again to 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 just say that i'm 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 taking taking inspiration from many things it could also be like uh sometimes i'm also watching birds and sometimes you see this like small flock of birds and they were like watching uh, this big predator bird, bird and they're like having this awareness and scanning and things like and they're always like doing lightstick from the side and seeing and and then suddenly they can go from that little bush to the next bush you know so 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 again of course you can't transfer it directly but but i think not only for me as a throwing coach uh, but also for you for for all the other people who are listening here we can take so much knowledge from other places and and develop things uh, i think one of the big challenges here in in our society not only in the football world but but in general is that we are looking after the solutions in a in in a very narrow way i think okay i'm i'm now i'm a throwing coach so i can only get inspiration from the people who are doing the the, the free kicks and the corner kicks or i can only get inspiration from the analysis people who are working in my club you know 
Mm-hmm. Well, we can, we can we can find we can find inspiration knowledge everywhere and i'm not saying that we should constantly doing because because sometimes you you know you know it yourself you go out and get inspiration and then you take it back and see does it work does it work and and then of course sometimes it doesn't work at all you know it's not like everything i see is just brilliant you know um but 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 often you know uh there are good things you know or things we have to to put in the trash can too so so i think that's that's really really exciting so i think i think in general that not only ordinary people, but also um, I think we should take a not another, but at least an extra approach to uh, to innovation and make it more a little bit more crazy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So of the challenge with um, the challenge with being a little bit like crazy, you know, <laughs> is is that that a lot of people are afraid of, of being that because one thing I call it the double slap because one thing is that. That if you if you fail your your mission or your goal, then it's not good. But if you then have been doing it in an alternative way, people are thinking, ah, oh, it, it was your own fault. Why did you even do that? You know, that was like crazy. How could you think about that? So uh, a lot of people are taking the, I think, taking the safe route. Uh, so so, and and the way we're building in innovation, I think, in many cases, and it's still good. It's not that we should stop that, but it's innovation. I think a lot of times today is like building a little bit, a little piece on top of the next, on top of the next, on top of the next, and we should still continue that. But sometimes, you know, we can take, um, you know, crazy steps, have crazy gains by by getting this inspiration from. Uh, from from totally other places than than we normally think we could do yeah so mm-hmm. yeah now oh, that's fascinating I, I think i'm gonna have to book you in to come for a session with my sunday league team because uh some players on my team cannot uh do a throw in properly so uh <laughs> no, yeah I'm joking. But... And, and 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 that was actually really really good the thing you said there because first of all yeah it was fun i also think it was really funny but it was actually you're 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 checking on a point here uh is that a lot of people also in the sunday league youth players they're afraid of taking throw-ins because yes. it's horrible oh, no. and you know I, I met like it was like four or five years ago i think uh, i had an interview in my in my the town where i was born horsens and it was a journalist and it was of about me and then he said to me like in the middle of the interview he said when i was playing football I was afraid of taking a throw-ins because I was really bad. And every time I threw it, you know, it, it, it the opponents got it. And the coach, he was angry at me. Yeah. And in the, and, and in the end, he was so afraid that every time they had a throw-in, you know, he was just like, wow, what I'm going to do. So he was actually afraid of playing football, you know, yeah. and I'm talking with so many adult people. Also, even you know, you can say, oh, we're just playing Sunday league football, but, but oh, Hey, no. you still want to have a good time. You still exactly. want to, you still want to win, you know. So, 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 so I took this guy, you know, and he could only throw. He was adult there, and I think he was like mid thirties or so. He stopped playing football, you know. So he could only throw like fifteen meters, but he improved to uh, twenty three meters, so like eight meters, just in like ten minutes. I just hey, try to do this, try to, you know. So he was so glad, you know. It was almost yeah. like this little kid or youngster who like was afraid suddenly was happy, and and it shouldn't be that way, no matter if you're. You know, no matter if you're playing Sunday league football yeah. or a kid or or a youngster, so so that's also one of my goals in in um, you know to to improve the throw-ins and and yes, of course, right now I know I'm only coaching 
uh, the professional clubs, but 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 yeah, I'm also writing on a book about throw-ins and and I also do online courses, and then my knowledge will be even you know more accessible. For you know, hey, even if you're playing Sunday League, you want to have good throw-ins too, you know, yeah, you know, definitely. because it's happened so many times in the match. So, uh, 100. I'm gonna have to send my, my friend Sean that book because uh, he's susceptible to a couple of foul throw-ins during a game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, all, but as a striker, like if if the ball obviously if the ball came to me, like counter attack situation, I would sometimes not even take it because I know myself, my throwing technique isn't great. So yeah. I just pass it to the right back, you know, and mm. actually waste that opportunity to, yeah. to attack. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy, isn't it? The, the yeah. Yeah. And, and that, it's a shame because uh, I mentioned a little bit about my clever throw-ins before, but, yeah. but, but the second part of my theory is, is the fast throw-ins. And one of the things we I'm working with in all my clubs, of course, also Liverpool, is that it's the nearest player who takes the throw-in. If you have yeah. a good, fast option, of course, mm. you can never be 100% sure, but if you think you have a good, fast option, then take it, no matter who it is. So if you see a Liverpool game, it's often five, six, seven, eight different players who are taking it. It can also be Mo Salah, Virgil van Dijk, John Henderson. Of course, if you look at all throw-ins, the fullbacks are taking more. So regarding your situation, you just should just have been taking it. But, <laughs> but you know, but it's just easy to say, oh, just take it fast. But that's also the reason why I'm coaching all the players to, to take the throw-ins too. It's not just to say to your players, yeah, just throw it because of course a little bit like you hey what should i do you know uh so so and it just makes the the game much more 100%. fascinating and interesting if, if if all players can take a throw in make it fast you know with good quality then um yeah i wonder if uh liverpool took you know that that quick uh quick set piece like and took inspiration from that and took it to the corner where he crossed it into divock Ariga and scored the goal you know in the champions league potentially um but yeah. a question a question i had around you know you, you've talked a lot about um improving distance when you talk about improving distance um do you apply any snc to your sort of training or is it more just technique yeah it's primarily technique and and the reason why it's primarily technique is because i'm not normally with the players you know every week and so so I, and i think you have to be a little bit careful about loading a lot of things on, on players you, you're mm. not seeing. So it's primarily been the technique. Of course, I have some specific throwing things you can do, like like medicine ball throwing. If, if, if you're doing with a good technique, I have that on my my YouTube channel too, been seen like 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 many thousand times there. So it's pr- primarily technique and, and, and I'm having approximately 30 different technical parameters and I'm using media analysis too. So it's not like every player is learning all 30 things, but but for example, when I'm starting with, with the first session, and it's a little bit depending from club to club, um, but sometimes I'm coaching six, seven players, like like the selected uh, few, primarily fullbacks, you know, and if you have a talent or two. But, but a lot of other times I'm coaching all the players in the first session because there can be some hidden throw-in talents. And so, you know, if you want to utilize the long throw-in as a set-piece weapon. And this first test and, and uh, technique session i'm like learning them like the basic five six, five six seven things and then the players who are going to continue to the second long throwing session i'm i'm using their video analysis there to look at the like the individual things it can both be bigger and and smaller things and it's easy to see in the video so in the second training session it can 
it can be like diff, uh, different content from player to player. Of course, it's easier to coach one player at a time, you know, because it's like, for example, there's an English guy coming here to to Denmark the 11th and 12th of June. Like he's coming for himself. I'm, I've already seen him on the video. Of course, it's much easier to improve his throwing than having eight, ten, or even sometimes twenty players, and you know, in the first uh, session or the second session. But that's the way it is, you know. I've been been working with the long throw-ins in 2004 so so yeah almost uh, almost uh, yeah yeah 18 20 years there so um but but to be honest uh, i love working with the long throw-ins but but um but i think it's 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 even better to work with the fast and clever throw-ins because the long throw-ins there are it's not all clubs it's it's like specific clubs who who want to utilize that long throwing yeah. such piece weapon but all all clubs in the world can can work with the the fast and clever throwings you know it's it's um so if i can do like a mix i th- always think it's it's the best mm, i suppose it's about like the different clubs play styles um i was wondering obviously you talked about 2004 when, when you first started um did you find it hard to get buy-in from various clubs you know about this this throwing because it's, it's obviously a unique idea um, that's never really been done before. So how did you sort of um, approach clubs and, and was it hard at the start? No, it was actually not hard in the start, at least not with the long throw-ins because, okay. you know, I, I, I it was in the middle of that bobsleigh period in 2004. I, I did a long, th- uh, a long throw-in in like a warm-up football match against the German bobsleigh team because we trained with them. You know, everybody was, wow, how could you do that? I said, I, I could do a long throw-in as, as a football player myself, you know. So then I thought, hey, if I can make a, uh, a long throw-in, can't, can't I teach other players to do it? So I said it to my teammates on the bobsleigh team. And, you know, if you have a good good, good, uh, good people around you, they give you honest feedback. And in some groups, you've probably been there before, you know, in your life, where people are laughing if you come with an idea that's not, you know, <laughs> traditional. Mm. Uh, and if, if people just laughing at you, maybe you lose your motivation. But my teammates on the box, they seem said, hey, hey, we are we are supporting you 100%. We think you can be a throwing coach. So I went down to the local library in Denmark to find that book about throw-ins when I came back there in, in, in early 2004. And there was no books, nothing serious on the internet. So I used approximately six months to do that long throwing course. So again, back to your question, I could have been starting with a youth amateur team because that'll probably be the best because I didn't really know if, if, if it worked on uh, on other people than myself because I've only tested and analyzed myself. But then I had the courage to ask a local Super League team that's the best league in Denmark called Vibor. And luckily enough, they said yes, you know. And so, <laughs> so I started on the very very um, highest level in, in, in Denmark. So I'll say with regarding the, the long throw-ins, that's, that's never been a, been a challenge. So from 2004 up to, <clears throat> yeah, uh, to, yeah, since then, you know, I've oh. been, been coaching so many Danish clubs in long throw-ins, been coaching Brentford two seasons for the long throw-ins. But my biggest challenge was actually the fast and clever throw-ins because I already like, like saw that in 2007 that most teams are losing the ball in more than 50% yeah. of the occasions when I have a throw in under pressure. So, so then I was just totally happy because I thought now it's not only the set piece teams like I can coach, I can coach every team in the world. Also like 
Barcelona and and you know uh, all the player all the teams are just playing like 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 more technical football but but no one wanted my knowledge around the the fast and clever throw-ins um and it was actually really frustrating me even though I had like really big success with my long throwing coaching for example from 15 to 18 FC Midland, we scored 35 goals from long throw-ins uh, in four seasons, yes. so like nine per seasons uh, per season. Even even better than Stoke in back in the days, you know. Uh, then no one wanted my knowledge around the fast and clever throw-ins. So it was actually first in in July 2018 where where Jurgen Klopp called me directly on the phone uh, to yes. ask ask me for help around the throw-ins that I got the chance to work with the fast and clever throw-ins. And since that, it's just like, yeah, it's been crazy with, with um, you know, the, this season I've been coaching 11 different professional uh, teams. You know, it's it's been uh, been like eight to 10 or so, uh, six to 10 the, the first three seasons I was in Liverpool. So it's just exploded the interest for throwing. So, um, yeah. So I was really happy that Jürgen called. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that must have been a hell of a, a phone call for you. I, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that, that was really crazy. It was actually like a, yeah, uh, actually like quite a funny story because I was on a summer trip with my wife and my kids, mm. and I had my phone with me. It was on a silent mode, but you know we had to visit that chocolate shop, and and <laughs> the, the, my wife and the kids just went in. I just had to look at my phone. And then I could see there was a plus 44 number would have been calling. And, and that's the country code from England. And, mm. and I have like a, a company have been having that for many years. So often, you know, there are people calling, selling you pens or so, things like that. So I just, I just thought it was like a salesman from England. And then I listened to the voicemail. And then it was just Jürgen Klopp. And wow, if, if I hadn't been sitting on, you know, in the car seat, I would probably have been tumbling over. So so I just ran into the chocolate shop and said to my wife, hey, Jürgen Klopp has called. And, and she said, uh, what did you say? Jürgen Klopp? Yes, Jürgen Klopp has called. So so we bought a lot of chocolate fast and then we went back into the car because I thought, hey, it's, it's better to take the most important call in my life, you know, back back home, you know. Yeah. So I was driving the car. My wife sitting beside me and the kids in the back. And then suddenly the phone rang and my wife picked the phone up and she said, it's Jürgen. And then <laughs> I just took the car and drove directly to the right into a grass field. And, and it was Jürgen Klopp. And yeah, he said, uh, we had a fantastic season in the 17-18 season with a fourth place in the Premier League and Champions League final. We lost to Real Madrid, but we lost almost all the balls on our throw-ins. So, so, so he invited me to, to Liverpool's former training ground, Melwood, you know, the week after in July 2018. And yeah, it just should only have been a, a meeting, nothing else. But I had the chance to um, to coach 21 Premier League players already after the meeting. All the players who weren't injured or at vacation after the World Cup. And, and then the week after, I signed a contract. And I've now been working um, for Liverpool FC for four seasons. And yeah. I think many people think we we've we've done pretty well. So uh, <laughs> yeah. not bad, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In terms of like working with players and, and kind of coaches, do you do you find it challenging sometimes to convey what your like your message and your kind of philosophy? It, has that been a challenge for you so far, or has the you could say the buy-in from the players themselves has been quite positive and quite uh quite quick and. Uh, 
fluid. Uh, I'll say all in all, I think it's been quite quick, but it's also only really depending on the message you give to the players. So, mm-hmm. because when I started in in Liverpool, I said to the very first training, I said, hey, there are normally 40 to 60 throw-ins in a match. Most teams yeah. are losing the ball in more than 50% of your cases when I have a throw-in under pressure where the players are marked. And then I said, I'm not going to make you uh, into Stoke number two. It meant that we're not going to take a lot of long throw-ins. So I didn't want to change Liverpool's uh, playing style, you know. Yeah. And then just after me, Jürgen Klopp came and said, that, yeah, we had a fantastic season, you know, but our biggest uh, weakness was was the throw-ins. And we brought in Thomas. He's a throw-in coach. And I know it's a, a special job, you know, but but I'm 100% sure that, that Thomas can help us to improve our throw-ins. And, and I actually like, and that's, that's data from T for Football here, but I actually took Liverpool, or we took Liverpool, because it's not only me, it's the players, it's the other step too, but... But, but the season before I came, Liverpool had a possession on 45.4% on throw-ins under pressure. And they were only number 18 in the Premier League, third last. So, But in my first season, we improved to 68.4% and went from number 18 in the Premier League to number one and then that data. And also to number two in the whole Europe, just after one of my other teams from Denmark, FC Midtjylland. So, so, you know, it's been a fantastic, uh, it's been a fantastic ride. Um Together with Liverpool FC and 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 the way um that was like the first session. How did we do it? Like like psychologically uh, with the messages and so before the training. But in the training itself, I'm really trying to because it's on on one hand you you I have some knowledge I want to give to the players so they can learn to do better throw-ins. But on one hand, um, the other players all uh, the players also have to like receive my messages, my training, take it in. So, so first of all, I'm always building my coaching into, into like steps. So starting with the basics, um, then putting on like specific tools and then, then like often going up to either small sided games or even zonal games. And, and so, so they learn it in, in steps. And yeah. then I also try if it's possible and it's, it is possible really many times to like build some motivation into the training too. And so, like, put in small goals, make small yeah. competitions, things like that. And it's not like um, it's all about competition. And so, so of course, I, I I try to keep the focus on 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 the things I want to learn the players. But but you know, it has to be fun to play football. You know, yeah. and also as a professional football player, of course, you have to learn. But but if you miss like. Um, if you miss like the basic fun the players want to have when they start as a kid, you know, you also, I also think it's, it's harder to learn, you know, it's a little bit like here, we're laughing here once in a while and having some fun, you know, it was like really stiff, you know, it was like, whoa, you know, and it's the same, no matter where you are in, in, in life, you know, can we laugh a little bit? Can it be a little bit entertaining? You know, so, um, so, so I try to put that in, into my training, not only Liverpool, but also all my other clubs around the world. Mm. Talking about all over the world, a question I had was, um, you know, how do you find sort of the language barrier? Are you multilingual or like, you know, how do you cope with that? I mean, from coaching in Mexico to UK to all over the world, like how, how do you cope with that? Uh, first of all, I can I can speak Danish and I'm I'm pretty good at that. So uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I then I speak uh, I speak English and then I also speak like fluent German. I'll say the German is like I don't know ninety five percent or ninety eight percent of 
are perfect. There's something with the grammatics and so that's something not like totally perfect. But I have yeah. been, for example, I have been coaching on German, you know, in, in a professional okay. club. I have been 10 minutes live on Sky Sports Germany, you know, on <laughs> okay. German and also did like a couple of hours interviews in German and two, you know, with, with, with. So, so, so I can do that. And, and I'll say, first of all, I'll say that learning language, it's not about being it's of course some people are learning language uh, easier than other people i know that but i think the most important thing is to like accept that you're really bad at a language and you'll only get slowly better um and you have to accept that the thing you're not saying is perfect because when i started on the, on the bobsleigh team you know i couldn't i was we had a little bit uh, german in, in in the danish school but i wasn't like really good at it mm. and our pilot, Tom, he was a former salesman in Germany. So he just talked fluent German. But I talked like like half bad English to the Germans who talked even worse English than me. <laughs> yeah. And then one day, you know, I just thought, hey, I want to learn to be better at German. Then I just started. And I, of course, it's hard to set percentage on your on a language. But I was just like, a, a, I don't know, 30% or so if I started. And then, you know, after one week, it was 31. One week, 32, you know, and better and better and better. I, I think many people think that if you're saying something wrong in a language, then people will think you're stupid. No, it, it's the total opposite. Let, let If you're just saying a few words right, you know, people are, you know, really happy that you, you gave it a try yeah. and they'll do their best to that you can understand each other. You know, it's a little bit like you've probably been traveling to perhaps to, to Southern Europe or so, like say to Greece or so, or to Turkey. And that waiter at the restaurant, he can like say, say, uh, welcome. What do you want to eat in, in like, like 50 different languages? And even though we know he can't say much more in that language, we are still like getting, hey, that's a little bit of relation we have here. And it's, and it's the same with learning language and, yeah. and speaking, you know. Of course, if, you, if I want to learn, learn some players or a team doing better throwing, coaching, of course, I have to understand like, you know, pretty much of it. Uh, but again, I, th I think that's the biggest um, challenge for people that they're afraid of saying something wrong but actually if, if, if you're trying to say something it's wrong it's better than not speaking so okay that was a little 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 side side no, story here. But so 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 but but i can speak um yeah uh, danish english german i can speak a little bit of spanish but it's primarily like 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 to get that connection you know i can say things like me llamo tomas vivo in dinamarca things like that you know and and you know i can say some colors i can say some numbers things like that so when i'm coaching in spanish speaking conscious for example like in mexico i put a little bit thing in and for example if i'm doing a talk you know I, i'm saying a little bit like this you know and and then i'm saying like after that and then I, i can't say so much more you know and things like that i, I had a little bit of spanish in high school so mm -hmm. so so again back to your question of course sometimes i i have to have a translator and um oh, wow. Yeah, that that's that's the way it is, and yeah. but I think it works pretty well. Um, but of course, it's easier if if I'm not being translated. But I think in uh, in yeah. really many countries, you know, people are speaking really well English, as especially in Scandinavia, uh, yeah. Holland, Belgium. It's pretty good in Germany too. Um, 
Mm. Yeah, there are there are a lot of countries where it's pretty good, and then there are other countries where they have difficulties. For example, in France, you know, yes. there are really many people who have difficulties, you know. So, um, but that's just the way it is. But you know, sometimes I've also have like like online courses and so where I have a thing I think it's called Babel or something like that yeah uh, where I can learn like 17 different languages and and then I start and then one week I'm in <laughs> you know I'm in in Portugal next next week I'm in France then I'm in Italy then you know so it's like oh what should I choose but I should probably be even better speaking Spanish so um yeah yeah my uh my girlfriend's spanish and i still haven't i haven't mastered it yet so well, i haven't even got past the basics yet. Uh, yeah. but i've started uh, doing duolingo and things like that to sort of yeah. get the get, get the basics but it's so difficult to learn a new language i'm finding i'm the one who doesn't pick it up that easy yeah so difficult yeah <clears throat> but, but again I'll, I'll say to people try speak it because you know when and, and i'll say that the way we can learn it now is just brilliant you know Going back when I was in school, like 20, 30 years ago, we had to read everything in the book, and then you can set like a like a CD on. Then you can like, but the yeah. way we can do it, like like you say, do a link that that's just like brilliant. But on the other hand, I'll also say the only way we do it is like go out and speak to people. So the best way you can do it, like speak to your uh, your girlfriend or her parents or something like that. Then say let let's just try, let's just try, you know. Yeah. because if we're just speaking to a computer you know it's it's not the same of course it's, it's better not. than nothing but you know so uh, yeah definitely definitely you've given the motivation um <laughs> but yeah no. <laughs> back to sort of your career um yeah. obviously you published a book in denmark called lazy energy with the seven lazy principles uh if you want to like you know shed a bit of light on that um what was that all about yeah, it was because back in um, <clears throat> yeah many years ago, you know, we we have a challenge not only in Denmark but also in the Western world with um, with stress. And in Denmark, we have approximately two hundred fifty thousand people who are so stressed or burned out that that they can't go to work. And we have only like like not even six million people in Denmark, and it's the same challenge in the whole whole you know uh, Western Western world. So so for me, it was just challenging. So. <clears throat> you know, I, I want to, to write a book about motivation, reaching your goals, but also have work joy, you know, um, have lived a good life. So I thought, hey, what should I call it? And and um, it could also be like slow energy or slow performance, like opposite of high performance and things. But then I thought, hey, why not? Why not make it like a little bit more like funny, humoristic? Um, so so I call it Don Energy in Danish. That's like lazy energy. Because, you know, lazy, that's a little bit like forbidden word. You can't be lazy, you know. So yeah. I also have the, the seven lazy principles. And and that's, for example, relax when you can. That's the first one. That's like pull the others down in the couch. The second one, uh, things like that. The fifth one is like let the others do the work. And it's not like, like for example, let the others do the work. It's it's not it's not about not doing anything yourself, but, but let others do it. No, it's about getting help getting knowledge getting resources you know so it's both like it, it's um it's a book with with a lot of humor of course some of my personal stories too but also yeah. a lot of research and so and and things like that and it's been really been going well here in denmark so it's 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 been a it's not in english sadly yeah enough, but oh, it's a, it's i was gonna ask i was yeah, gonna ask that yeah it's been a best in denmark i've been doing so many talks around over like 
in general, I've been been doing over 500 talks here in, in Denmark, uh, in Danish and in English, you know. Um, mm. But also, for example, on the book itself, I've been doing over 100 talks and three of them have been for Lego, you know, just yeah. like uh, one and a half months ago. It was the last one in English, Lazy Energy. So uh, I'm really proud about that. You know, I can I, if you haven't. Uh, if you have a book in you and you think I want to write a book, you know, of course it's not easy. You won't do it in, in one and a half months, but you know, that's one of the best things you can do for yourself, your life, your professional life, you know, because you feel so much, much more, you know, secure yourself. It's mine. You know, you've been doing reading a lot of things. And so if that's that, yeah. that kind of book, you know, so, so it, it's, 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 it's been fantastic for me. So, and, and a lot of people have been like, Oh, isn't it translated to, to English? But um, the reason why it's not translated to English yet is because I'm a self publisher and, okay. um, and it's not cheap to, to, uh, to translate a book because I, I want to do it hundred percent there, you know? So, and the reason why I haven't done it, it's it's also because I'm I'm also writing on another book about more about the innovative approach and so because when I wrote that book in in yeah in November 2015 I did, hadn't got my breakthrough you know and it was mm-hmm. why I did a lot of talks there it it was really fitting good into my my all all the other talks too but since I've had my breakthrough in Liverpool you know I've been known for like the innovative approach and so and and a lot of things we did on the bobsleigh team and so was really innovative so i'll probably write a new book in english and yeah hope to to publish very soon yeah 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 to be fair like if it was in english i, I go on holiday soon i always love to uh, take a book on holiday and uh, it sounds like right up my alley because you know when like a book breaks it down into the principles i feel like it's like a such a nice read I, i've read a couple of books like that so if only, if only, I'll have to get your next book in English. Yeah. Um, That'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. We'll, we'll leave a link to buy the book in the description of the YouTube video. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like your future projects, you know, what are your future ambitions with this and aspirations? What do you hope to go on to achieve? Yeah. I think my biggest, biggest dream is to, I think I've already changed football regarding the throw-ins, at least at a professional level. But I want to change, you know, um, throw-ins for all people in the world, all people who are who are playing, no matter if it's uh, professional, uh, Sunday league, uh, youth, kids, women, uh, men, boys, girls, you know, because, you know, there are so many people writing to me and saying, hey, throw-ins, that's just the hardest thing, you know? We, we have so many challenges. Mm. And, my, and my, my, my challenge at the moment is, is that, and that's like, a, and, and that goes really well with, with the theme of this podcast, with the psychological here, because I'm also like a little bit, I could probably publish that book very soon about the throw-ins. But, you know, I'm also like really now living a fantastic life. I'm yeah. paid, paid really well. I'm traveling the whole world. I have a family who who is satisfied with that. Uh, <laughs> and and you know, you never know what will happen when I publish the book. So so normally um, I, I haven't been afraid of much in my whole life, and I'm not afraid of being afraid. I'll say that, and it's not shameful to be afraid. I've been afraid, you know. <laughs> yeah, again. 
many times in my life but but to publish that book is a little bit scary too because what will happen with my life what will happen with my life there and yeah. and you know I've, I've been talking to people who really know this world and 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 a lot of people are saying to me you know your your business will grow much bigger and you can help so many more and when you do it you'll not regret it but you know to be to be honest i'm like it, it's also a little bit scary because um you can, you can either go, go, go I, I'm sure that no matter what, the book will be a success because I'm asked every day about when is your book coming out? And I'm going to say, oh, I'm, I'm still writing. And of yeah. course I'm still writing, you know, but it can either go like, like the book will be a success, but the level of my coaching will, will go, go really down. Um, not the level of my coaching, sorry, the amount of my coaching around the yeah. world will, will go down, or mm. it can stay approximately the same, or it can be like like it will often happen. I'll coach even more and then also have a successful book. So, um, so getting back to your question, uh, you know, um, I could probably be finished with it in, in three months or so, uh, because I've been writing so much. So, um, well, hard to see, but it seems like you've cracked it. You know, you've cracked life. You know, it's wise, wise words uh, that you just shared with us there, especially as like a 23-year-old, you know, in, ter in terms of what you want to achieve. I, uh, I thank you for sharing that with us because it's super inspiring, uh, your journey. I mean, I, I, I've loved chatting with you today. It's, uh, it's honestly been class. Yeah, it's been uh, it's fantastic talking to you, and and yeah, it's been almost an hour now, and, and uh, you know... Um, Russian American psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, with the flow theory, who died last year, he's he said that if we have a, on one hand, high resources doing something we love, high skills, and we also have big challenges, we'll come in flow. And one of the signs of coming in flow is that time just you know flies away. And I yes. had the feeling that we was just sitting down five minutes ago. So now I'm looking at the clock almost an hour. So no. I want to I want to thank you too. It's 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 been amazing, you know, like like talking with two good friends I never met before. So um 100%. so thank you both. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. It's uh, it's not so light outside where you are now, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's switch your lights on afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, honestly, yeah. it's been a it's been a class chat. Thanks so much for coming on and spending some time with us. I know you're a busy man. So, um, but all the links to everything will be in the description of the YouTube, even to your YouTube channel, because I know I know you have a YouTube channel. So, yeah. honestly, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. It's been a pleasure. Yep. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share this with your friends or someone you would feel will benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video or find us at Mastering the Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one.